All right, all right, all right. Welcome to this 29th episode, or if I may, this 30th episode. Either 29 or 30th. You figured that one out by looking at the previous episode. But either way, welcome. Welcome to this episode. My guest today is a special guest. His name is Naveen. Naveen is a graduate of Warrior Week 36. Welcome, Naveen, 36. to the show. 36. Thanks for having me, Sam. Yeah, Coach. Coach Sam. 36, bro. I said it right. You did say it right. I did I did not say it right five minutes ago, but I did say it right 36. Give WW36 the respect we deserve. Yes. Yes. So who are the guys that came into 36? Derek? Derek, George, Matt, Rusty. Shane, Rusty. Yeah. 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 Um, a couple other guys. Good. It was a great, great group. Great. All right. So welcome to the show. Derek's we have my man. Shout out to Derek. Derek. Yeah, Derek was here a couple of, couple of episodes ago. So uh, welcome to the show. You guys sit back, relax, and enjoy what's coming. Okay. All right. All right. Let's go back. And uh, let's start by a simple question. Like, who the fuck is Naveen? Uh, well, first of all, Sam, thanks for having me. Appreciate the <laughs> open-ended question with the expletive embedded in there. Um, so I guess there's two ways to answer that question, right? I think there's the way I or a lot of us would have answered that question mm. before Warrior Week, and then there's the way that we gave ourselves permission to answer it after Warrior Week. Mm. And that's, I think, an ongoing conversation with ourselves, mm -hmm. right? Um, that's an evolving, evolving. If we want to get really meta, that's an evolving place. But just to give some level set for the, you know, the general stuff, um, from Chicago, parents are uh, Indian, so from South India, Chennai area, if you know where that is. Yes, I've been there for a month. So you probably Shout spend, out to Chennai people. You probably spend more time there than I have in the last... <laughs> <laughs> 10 years or so since I've been, you know, working, but, um, or, you know, the last 10 years without having a extended high school vacation. Nice. So, um, grew up in Chicago, you know, went to, uh, public high school, mm -hmm. Glenbrook North Spartans, and, um, we can get into that if you want, but, uh, essentially, you know, went to Princeton mm -hmm. for my undergrad, mm -hmm. majored in engineering. So I was, uh, you know, very focused on school, as you might imagine. Sure growing up very traditional background I didn't really see um, you know there's obviously a lot of difference between India and the Midwest but they're both very traditional places true as you might imagine so you know go to school do a good job I actually partially got into school because I was a really good golfer because mm -hmm. Princeton's division one and I played golf and all the way through college so uh, so pretty much all I did was do math and golf nice till I was about you know 20 years old that was pretty much my life beautiful your dad uh, was your dad a businessman? Did he own manufacturing? If I, if he I, did. Yeah, okay. He did. You've done your research. Yes. You um, told me that. I probably did. So my dad has a very interesting story. Okay. My dad grew up in India, not from a wealthy family, mm -hmm. not from a poor family, just you know, general middle class. And after he graduated engineering school, he always wanted to have his own company. Mm -hmm. But back in those days in India, as in the 1960s, that was impossible. There's no way to get to get out of the country, sure. you know, didn't have any money, just graduated college. So he got a very good engineering job after college. Mm -hmm. And back in those days, if you got a job in a country like India, 
you had done extremely well. Um, and you're probably reading and married and just have a very nice life mm-hmm. by, it, by standards and, you know, 50 years ago. But that was not enough for my dad. He really wanted to have his own company and live in either Europe or the U.S. But with no resources, that was impossible. Um, but one day, he's walking around the factory floor of the engineering company he's working at, and he sees this big machine that's not doing anything. And so why would any one of us care about that machine, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's broken machine. But because he was so focused on his outcome of leaving India, he had the idea that, hey, where's this machine from? He looks at it. It's from a place called that he never heard called Denmark. Okay. He had no idea where Denmark was, right? There's no Google Maps back then. Yeah. So he writes the company in Denmark a letter and basically says, hey, India's a poor country. Your machine here is broken. You should really teach me how to use it. And sent off the letter, not expecting a reply. Sure. It's a random letter from some guy in India. Yeah. But they actually wrote him back, and they said, hey, we will actually train you how to use this machine. And we'll even pay you something while you're here in Denmark, wherever this place Denmark is. But we're not going to pay for your plane ticket. Mm -hmm. Now, that sounds like a yes to a lot of us who have resources. But if you have no money, and I don't even think there's exchange between India and Denmark. How do you get kroner in India in 1967, yeah. right? I, I don't know how you do that. So that was pretty much a no. But since my dad was so focused on leaving India to start his own business, mm-hmm. he basically did something that I think the rest of us would think are crazy, but maybe not the people on this podcast. Not any of you guys up there out there would think is crazy, but I think the rest of the world would think this is crazy, which is he sold his motorcycle, which is all he had. He borrowed a ton of money from a family friend, and then he liquidated his dad's entire life savings just to buy a one-way ticket to Denmark. Wow. Now, what he didn't tell his family and friends is that he didn't really have a job there. He had a 90-day work permit, which basically meant after 90 days he was deported Back to India yes, with no job, <coughs> no life savings, and no motorcycle. Wow. But he said, you know what? I'll just figure it out when I get to Denmark, wherever this place Denmark is. Yeah. And um, obviously I'm here, so the story ends pretty well. But he had to go there, you know, had a jacket five sizes too big, because who has a winter coat in India, right? I think <laughs> maybe one, some family friend gave him a jacket, right? And he shows up there, doesn't know the language. If you've ever see, heard Danish spoken it it's you know yeah. it's not a romance language you no. it, it's pretty hard to learn um, but he gets there learns the language works hard and is able to stay there for <coughs> over a year before applying and getting a job in Germany going there doing the same thing learning the language staying there for a year going to Canada mm-hmm. obviously we know English so that's easy, a lot <laughs> a lot easier transition and then finally it took him about 10 years from um, working all around the world mm-hmm saving enough money to start his own company finally in Wisconsin 10 years later. So it's just a great m- reminder for you know anyone watching who's been through your own hardships, our own hardships, we all have our own issues, but just remember how lucky we are to live in a country like America or a Western European country where you don't have to travel all, all around the world, risk everything, leave all your family and friends just to realize your entrepreneurial dream. Hmm. Very fortunate here. 
So, you know, we think we have obstacles, but it's all about our perspective. So uh, beautiful story about your dad, man, and which which tells me that you you got to have a beautiful relationship with your dad. Yeah, my dad is um, my dad is a very upstanding guy. Yeah. Uh, and your story is very similar to my dad. And um, um, my dad was very successful in Iran and he was um, in charge of the countries, if you want um tv manufacturing distribution um big manufacturer from uh from germany that had uh, manufacturing plants in their zenith and so he was in charge of uh, he was the vice president of human resources and basically managed about 2000 people right wow and so he had a status mm -hmm. and money and uh and because of war and what was happening um and because he was really concerned with me at that age, around eight, I was getting I was getting pulled in, I was getting brainwashed, I was you know almost getting involved in all this, and uh, my dad had some concerns. And after certain incidents that happened um, uh, regarding like my childhood and so on in, in terms of the country, so my dad decided to to say fuck it, we're gonna get out of here because if I would have stayed, I would have either fucking died in the front line, in the war, or I would become some kind of psychopath, religious asshole, right? Uh, that was the path that I was being pulled into at that time because it was extremely, right. it was extremely brainwashing at that time. I'll just give you a fucking scenario. It's like, hey man, here's a key to heaven that would put a plastic key around your neck and would ask you to go and become a fucking martyr. Whether you would be nine, 10, it didn't matter as long as you physically look big you could be in the front line carrying a gun. So uh, to make a short story long, my dad wow. made some sacrifices. Um, we, uh, we went to Pakistan uh, with uh, driving in the car. We escaped from Pakistan all the way to Singapore. From Singapore, we came to Canada. Um, he sold everything that we had so we can buy some 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 passports and uh, fake identities just to get the fuck out of it's there and be able story. to just come to Canada and declare as refugees where my uncle was. And my uncle and my grandmother, all my uncles, my dad actually paid for all their tickets, all their education for them to be in Canada legally. And we had to flee the country primarily because of me and what was happening to me. So he made that big decision. So in seven days, right, from the time that he made the decision to the time that we were in Singapore, like our life has completely changed. Oh, the status was gone. He was a nobody in Singapore. We were living in a hotel waiting for a passport. And I we got fucked by the first guy, so we had to spend three months. And so no status, almost no money in a foreign country with two kids, myself and my brother and my wife, and just waiting. But really focused on the outcome, just like your dad. The outcome was I got to get these – I got to get my kids out of this country. And I got to provide a better life for them somewhere else. So three months later – he finds himself delivering pizza in Canada. That was his first job, right? Come in, a week after, he had, you know, my, my dad is the kind of guy that just works, right? Doesn't sit home and wait for somebody to give him something. So delivering pizza. So in three months, I can sit here and say, shit, man. Like the guy was, had a status. He was somebody in a place to give all that up and go through all the hell that we went and to come and deliver fucking pizzas, it was like shit. He knew exactly what he wanted as an outcome. 
And like, so my dad gave me the opportunity to myself and my brother to truly have a better life, to go to school, to study, to learn multiple languages, uh, but above all, to be free. Because like we were exchanging our freedom as kids to something that we didn't even understand back in the days. So when w hearing your dad's story reminded me of my dad's story and, and my relationship with my dad that I, I, I see very similar to yours. Um, you know, my dad is my hero. Like that's how I would call him. I mean, he's, he's the one that saved our family and he's the one that had the courage to make that move. He's the one that had the courage to write that letter and he, he had the one that, that had the courage to sell the motorcycle and take all these risks going basically for an unknown, right? 90-day visa, whatever that means, in Denmark, whatever that is, right, at that time. Um, so let's go back. And, and, and I tie that in because, you know, often guys that come into Warrior Week have some kind of difficulties uh, in their childhood with their dads or you know, some kind of issue. I would say I was fortunate enough that my dad was, is my hero and always will be my hero and remains uh, the hero of my life and, and a guideline for me to take decisions. Um, and I kind of feel the same with you and your dad, knowing you in the past and what you shared here. Um, am I right? Yeah, I think that's accurate. Okay. Yes. So, beautiful. Talk to me about you graduating school and then, like, Talk to me about that. Talk to me about that first aha moment. Remember on our phone call when you came in and I mm -hmm. talk to me about that first big fucking win for Naveen when he came to business and your accomplishment. I appreciate it. Amazing story, by the way. I did not know that. <laughs> I've known you for a while. I did not know that story about you. Yeah. How do I turn down the volume a little bit? On uh, the I'll do it. Appreciate it. And you know, it actually reminds me. Um, of like tying back to warrior accountability because mm -hmm. your dad and my dad were extremely accountable they went outside the bonds of any normal sort of societal behavior whatever societies they lived in at the time to make something happen so true and we're both you know immigrants here yes i, I was born here obviously but but still you know you're you're not a typical white american <laughs> and and forget about like you know if you're immigrant or non-immigrant, but anyone in the U.S. should be able to take at least some level of accountability mm -hmm. for their situation. Yes. Because there's so many resources here, If you even if you have nothing. And obviously in Iran, mm -hmm. during the war, forget about anything. There's no social service. I mean, it's a war zone. There's it's nothing, yeah. There's nothing. Zone. Yes. So your safety is at risk, much less you know, your financial so true. flexibility. So ma amazing story. Um, Aha moment. So let's let's go. A little, yeah, let me tell you a little bit about after college, sure. which, which ties very well to that. Sure. I mean, so I feel like when I was growing up and I was um, just cranking like a mofo at school nonstop <laughs> since I was five years old. So I was basically just cranking from five to 18 to try to get into an Ivy League school. Yeah. At the time, Princeton, and maybe now, it, I don't know what it's ranked now, but it's the number one school. So that's yeah. where I wanted to go. And they had a golf course on campus, so that's where I wanted to go. It was <laughs> a very obvious choice. Obviously, getting in was next to impossible. Somehow I got in. But I was just super burned out after that. Because it wasn't really something I'd chosen for myself. I mean, I did. I was excited about it. But it was, 
it was sort of like the construct of like, oh, this is what you do, mm-hmm. right? Which I'm not upset about that in any way. It worked out very well. Yes. But I didn't, I didn't really think it through what it all meant. What does it all mean to get go to college? What does it all mean to get a job and make a lot of money and be respected and successful and all those things that we think are sure. the highest order of achievement? Um, and you're tying that back to our first conversation around warrior, mm-hmm. which was that b- basically I had sacrificed a lot, and I'm not comparing real sacrifice, military sacrifice, or you know things like that. But for what I sacrificed my time, mm-hmm. or I or I committed my time, I should say, to really fucking hard work for a very long time mm-hmm. um, until I was about well, I mean, I guess my whole life, but really hardcore from age five to age about 32 hmm. or so. I had a break when I was 32 or 33. Wow. We'll talk about that later. But I don't really think that there was much a break in between because after college, I went to Wall Street. Mm-hmm. And I was an engineer in college, which was no, you know, it wasn't that easy at, mm-hmm. you know, be an engineer. And then went to Wall Street. And Wall Street is like the ultimate grind of all time, mm-hmm. the ultimate competition, you know, the ultimate stage. Now, I was junior and young back then but you're still part of that you know there's plenty of movies made around about that so you're working literally 24 7 mm-hmm. you your entire life is work and i think the mentality is that it's not about the hours it's knowing that it's kind of like warrior week mm-hmm. there's no way out <laughs> like you can quit and be nothing or you can just grind it out but when you make that shift where your work is your life mm-hmm then it's a different mental shift. It's not about the hours. It's about like, this is my world. And everything that matters is within this career construct. Mm-hmm. And that was pretty much my way of thinking, plus or minus. I mean, it, I obviously, me- I, I didn't mellow out my work ethic, but I mellowed out my mentality sure. about what you know things are all about for, you know again, age five to age 32 or 33. What you made me realize, which I was, um, that's actually, I will say, I think the reason I came to Warrior Week mm-hmm. was because of that first conversation we had, because mm-hmm. I could not believe that you were able to speak to my experience so quickly on a phone, mm-hmm. knowing me for only 30 or 40 minutes, which meant you know, two things. One, you were lucky, which is highly, highly unlikely, mm-hmm. likely, but more likely that you had talked to so many men in similar circumstances that you're able to immediately assess and read someone in such a unique and, you know, with such insight and talent, I was extremely, I mean, impressed is not the right word. Mm-hmm. It, it's a, you have a unique, you really have a truly unique and special ability. I appreciate that. And uh, I mean that. And it was that, um, it was just that I'd never recognized my achievement mm. at some like deep level. I had recognized it by the you know, financial resources or big house or, you know, obviously having a couple nice degrees. I went to Harvard after, Harvard Business School after um, four years of working in between my career or in the middle of my career. But I never really like just thought about, really felt inside like that was a huge accomplishment. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, in my mind, I was very proud, of course. But I wasn't like, man, I really did something I really did something special there yes. I never gave myself the acknowledgement which sounds like you know the ultimate first world problem 
But at the same time, if you don't give yourself that acknowledgement, it doesn't matter how much money you have or, sure. or anything. It's whatever level you're at. If you don't live yourself the acknowledgement of having achieved whatever that thing is, then you're not going to keep going forward. And that's the one thing you taught me, which is that I'm like, no wonder I don't have the drive anymore mm-hmm. that I had when I was, you know, in my early 20s because it can't last forever. That, mm. that the, 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 um, the fuel of fear can take you a long way, but it can only take you so far, you know. And I, I remember, um, I mean, what you're describing is just owning the feeling of acknowledgement because understanding acknowledgement in your mind, the logic of, of your achievements, yes, there is a check mark on that in your mind. And it, it, it positions you in whatever the achievement brings you, right? So if you get this status, if you finish at this school, um, that, that, those are the facts. What we don't take enough time is feel the achievement. This is what right. Naveen fucking did. Let me tell you a story about Naveen. Naveen's dad was so and so, and he came to this country, and Naveen worked hard five from the ages of five all the way to 32 and 33. And at this age, here's the first milestone of achievement. How does that fucking feel? Well, I got to tell you, that feels awesome. That feels great. That feels inspiring. That feels like that feels like I can I can actually actually lead in this area with pride and certainty and confidence. So I remember um, our first conversation. Uh, uh, you know, uh, of course, after the back and forth, and hey man, I'm Tim Ferriss's friend. I'm like, I don't give a fuck who you are. Just come on the call, and I want to talk to Naveen. That's all I want to talk to. And after we went through a back and forth, and inside of our conversation. Um, I specifically remember um, you were talking about how you built your first, I think it was your first company and how how you actually achieved your first million. Remember that conversation? Where, I do, yeah. Where I'm like, okay, hold on. And we took a pause and we had a conversation around that. And I asked you to go and look for your W-2. Yeah, my <laughs> W-2 or my bank account. So I need to go still do that. I did look, though. I didn't find it. I know. It. But, but, but it was... It, it shifted your mindset to go on a quest of something for something uh, that truly, like, finding the W-2 wasn't really the goal. The, the purpose was to shift your perspective and feel what you achieved then, which is, which is a huge fucking achievement by itself. So talk to, me about, talk to me about that achievement. And you have an opportunity to share with so many young men that are listening um, that are, like you, grinders and workers and working hard. And, and share with them your first success. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where, um, you know, I've, I've been fortunate. I've, I've, you know, had my good family and education and, and um, resources to be successful. Mm-hmm. I understand that not everyone with the same resources would make the same choices, but I've had those resources to be successful, and I always sort of downplayed it because yeah. you don't want to make people feel bad. You yeah. know, I mean, like, well, I don't want... I don't want to make people feel bad. Sometimes you're a little cocky when you're, you know, have a couple beers. Sure. But like, in general, you want to like, kind of like, oh yeah, what do you do? I'm an investor. I don't really say much. Yeah. You know, I don't say much about what I do, in in normal conversation. Um, but then that gets into your subconscious, and then you sort of like make everything like a little quieter. Yes. And um, you never you never experience that. So what you took me back to. You made me realize that, you know, obviously, you know, it's not about the money. Sure. It's it, it, easy to say maybe when you have money, but it really is not about 
the amount of money. It's about what it represents, which is that, you know, I think I make my, made my first million when I was maybe late, let's say late 20s. Mm-hmm. And um, at the time I was uh, a partner in a place called Vulcan, mm-hmm. which is Paul Allen's private equity firm, which I went there to help start after I graduated business school. Now, it was literally didn't exist before uh, a bunch of us got there. And so, yeah, one of our investments, one of my investments went extremely well mm-hmm. and it grew from there. But, you know, we sold a little bit of it. And that to me was well over a million dollars. And but what I was happy for a while, of course, at the time, you could not be. Of course. But um, but looking back, I realized that I didn't really like feel it as much as you could have felt it yes. if I was more sort of in touch with that side of my personality. And I realized I'm like, it's it, it's not about like, oh, look, check this box. It's that that represented an unbelievable amount of commitment and work over a lifetime. And in some ways it also represented what my parents had done for me yes. over that very long period of time. And, you know, of course, our family and other people around and this great society we lived in. and And... All those things had to come together to make that happen. That's a very hard thing to do. Yes. And took a lot of, there were actually a lot of cooks in the kitchen that helped that happen. Yes. And I never really went back to think about how momentous that was. Even though, you know, it's, I'm not saying it's an Olympic medal or whatever, but for me, that's what I was striving for. Yes. And so to actually achieve that goal, which as a kid in high school is impossible, even though you're like, oh, I want, I want to like, be an investor or whatever I thought that meant back then. Yes. Um, I want to be a corporate titan. So to actually do it. You, you think about late 20s, you achieve this, and then you, you continue to grind. Obviously, the reward of the money was great, and, and you felt successful, and you continue to grind, and you build the fucking empire that it is today. Um, like, I mean, you built a thousand times what it was, and so it, it's, it's a massive empire that's built today. Almost a decade or or close to that after, right? Um, imagine this. Imagine if you would have stopped just then and own and feel the power of the achievement just like you feel it now. I wonder what kind of fucking empire you will build with that power. Because without stopping, you build a massive empire. But I wonder if, if that perspective like, would kick in then for you to feel your achievement and take the power from that and go, which is how you feel today and which is how your drive is aiming at building even bigger and bigger, more impactful businesses. Um, so mm-hmm. that's, that's some thoughts there. It's just like, you know, think about that. But really coming back to the conversation of you being on the phone and wanting to come to Worry Week. So life is good. Um, but then you go to Tony Robbins' event, and inside of Tony Robbins' event, you meet Garrett. and uh, Who did not even give me the time of day at yeah. the time. What an asshole. <laughs> he's like, hey, listen, call, call Sam or something and like he, that. And he's blowing off our dinner tonight. <laughs> Who knows what he's doing? Uh, just for the record, let it be known. What's the date today? April 10th. April 10th. Time is 8 p.m. Garrett J. White has just blown the dinner with Naveen. <laughs> and by the way, it, and, and it's significant that he's blowing it off. Let me tell you why. <laughs> Do you know, I think this is actually the one-year anniversary of when I arrived in Data Point for War Week 36. Oh, it is? 
Yeah, well, Jeremy and I were doing a run before. Yeah, we're going to double check. And, and I think that's right. I think it started on Tuesday, but we all arrived on Monday night. Yes. If I knew what was in store, if you told me what I was going to go through on Warrior Week 36 before I got there, I probably still would have come because I couldn't, I'm not, a, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to say no, but I would not have been as excited because <laughs> that day, honestly, that day was one of the hardest days. I remember that. I've been through. And I have, I want to tie it back to what we we're talking about before with sure. the celebration, which is that on that day, I think I felt more pride mm -hmm. for what we went through together on that first day than I had in years. Yeah. Years. Um, and, it's it's um, a unique experience. It's it's quite a unique experience that exposes your totality, and it exposes a side of you um, that is really likable, a side of you that is that is real, a side of you that is human, a side of you that is a warrior, like the hidden warrior, the Indian warrior we call it. And it, that side came out, and it was I mean it came out later on during the week. Um, I won't say at what particular evolution, but it was beautiful to see that. Because if it was almost like this other guy that broke the mold and just came out and like, okay, this is the Naveen that we want to hang out with. Like everybody felt it. Everybody knew it. Um, but but you you got curious uh, at Tony Robbins' event. You talked to Garrett. Garrett said talk, talk to Sam. You watched some videos. Um, let's just go back to what truly really sure. resonated with your heart. For you to say this is something that I want to have was a conversation the, um, with, it was, uh, I think, one of Garrett's first videos, mm -hmm. where he's walking in Vegas, talking about the concept of sedation, yes, and the concept of, you know, wanting something more, yes. Now I'm fortunate that like I'm always doing personal development in some way, mm -hmm. so I've never like done something where I'm like, oh, I'm going to hit rock bottom to do something. But inside, you feel like. I just lacked, I did not have anywhere near the energy, like not even close to the shit I would do when I was in my early 20s and early 30s or so mid 30s, whatever age. So was it a lack of purpose? It's a last, la it was eg exactly a lack of purpose. Okay. Because I was thinking about this before I walked in here yeah. with uh, with our friend Jeremy, the, uh, the, bar the, uh, the ballad maker. Yes. And, um, you know, at some point, you need to have enough stuff to survive and mm -hmm. take care of your family. Yes. Once you have that, it's what you want and desire, and maybe you have good reasons for it, maybe not the best reasons. Whatever they are, it doesn't matter, but you stuff you desire. But after you sort of have a lot of the stuff you want and desire, the toys or all that shit, then you can't... I was smart enough to not keep like buying like more expensive versions of the same crap, right? Yeah. Like, but at the same time, the next level is contribution. Yes. Right. And so like when and it really is about intent. Mm -hmm. If you're building a company because you want to make another ten million dollars or whatever the number is, that's one thing. Um, and that's not really that exciting. Mm -hmm. You know, that's that's not why um, I was uh, running my startup with a, a friend of mine. Yes. Um, it wasn't because we wanted to try to make a lot of money. We uh, that would be a byproduct. It was more about the impact that we might have on the world if it was actually successful. Hmm. Maybe it might be a small impact or a big impact, but it really was about the impact. The impact, Because you can't work that hard with those little odds as an entrepreneur if you're focused on money. Because there's easier ways and r less risky ways to 
put money in the bank. But if you wanted to do something that has real impact and real contribution, you have to start with the why. It's true. Um, you know, you know, they say that you know what is the most expensive currency in the world. You got me there. It's impact. Impact. When you have impact others. And so the most expensive currency in the world is when you have impact on others. And there is, uh, there's no doubt why you were seeking that and why you were chasing that. Um, to feel more power, to feel the power of contribution um, and the growth that comes from putting your energy into that. Um, so you come into Warrior Week. I come into Warrior Week. And, you know, I'm doing well but i'm not feeling that energy or purpose yes and i knew from our conversation just the way you identified that so effortlessly that i'm like this is the place i need to be i don't know what the fuck these guys are doing <laughs> i don't know why they're wearing all black i hope this is not some sort of cult <laughs> but like garrett's obviously a great guy so i'm like all right i trust i'm going to trust the process and i can do a lot of push-ups i can do you know i could probably do more chin-ups than anyone here uh, george is kind of an animal, but like, I'm like, I'll be fine with that stuff. I didn't realize I was gonna be frozen, <laughs> you know? I didn't realize having 9% body fat's gonna like totally kick my ass. Because <laughs> I don't know if you remember, but at the end of the first day, I could not speak. I do. Literally couldn't speak. And, you and lost your speaking capabilities. I lost my speaking capabilities <laughs> completely. And um, so the first night we come in and. Um, I believe this is one of the coldest one that we've actually had. Were you around the fires? Did we, we have the we fire pits? Actually, we were the one after. Okay. But it wasn't after. that much warmer. Okay. Okay. So you heard about that one. But uh, <coughs> let's talk about the first night, right? And and the specific place that we call the pit. Um, I want to take you back in there. And as, as you went, as as your you know your body, your physicality was, was broken down and you were exactly in a place where you find yourself in this space that we call the pit, um, what did you feel? Like, what did you feel inside of the pit? What was your pit, Naveen? You know, the, the first thing I felt when you had me in the hole mm -hmm. uh, that someone dug for us, or actually we dug for ourselves, I should say, I was very confused because I knew I, I was in the right place, but I didn't really know why I was there. Mm -hmm. I mean, I had a feeling as why I was there, but I couldn't like articulate it very well. Yes. But uh, but I knew I was not going to get out of that hole unless I convinced you that I actually had. I knew why I was there. Yes. And so I think that was actually one of the hardest parts. If you think about it, like, all right, I feel good, everything's great, but I just don't feel like I have that fire, and I do not know why. It's difficult because I was I was doing. Um, for the last year or two before uh, we were, I guess, 2017. So I, I sold my last company in 2013. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So had it been actually, uh, that was unbelievably intense. Um, so it had been almost four years. It's a long time. And I was not doing any day-to-day nine-to-five job. I was managing my investments. I was on boards of directors doing stuff like that. Definitely took a year or two off to do absolutely nothing. Got it. Okay. Um, except like health stuff you know sure like getting in back in shape but four years is a long time where you like i had a purpose but i was i realized i've been operating my life and doing all this stuff on like 10 percent mm -hmm. capacity 20 percent two percent who knows so low it doesn't even matter but that's what i realized after the first day 
I didn't realize when that was in the pit because that was the beginning of the first day. Sure. And that was a huge realization. Um, and it was just that. It was just that I had I did not have that passion or fire, and I didn't know what I was going to have to do to get it back because there was no other, you know, goal to have based upon my previous sure. system, which is saying you need to make X amount of money, you need to have X amount of respect, X amount of degrees. All that stuff was gone. That had been completed. So what did Worry Week open your eyes to for Navin? It opened my eyes to that that internal pride that comes from pushing yourself to the next level. And I realized that over those last couple of years, I didn't want to go through that pit again. Yes. Because to get to whatever the next level is for any person and for me, I knew I was going to have to work really fucking hard. Yes. And I know once I commit to something, I am not going to give up till it's done. Yes. But that means that it could take a long time and it could take a lot of risk and a lot of work and pain. Yes. And I did really didn't want to do that again. I'd done that so many times. It pretty much always worked out. I had no I Subconsciously, I did not want to do that again. I was not inspired to do that. And that is um, inspiration and purpose is something that is very, very hard to foster in someone. And Warrior Week did that. And that is saying a lot. Yeah. And you know, because you've been in the industry, and there are so many books written that are intended good. There's good intentions behind the book, but it will not move a person. They will talk about the concepts of intentions, and they will talk about the concepts of purpose. And on paper, it makes sense while you're reading. There is this moment of gratification that you're satisfied with what you're reading. Your brain says yes. Your heart says yes. Your body even says yes. And he said, I'm going to do some of this shit. And you do it for two days or maybe 20 days. And then suddenly it disappears just like smoke in the air. Um, Worry Week wasn't something that disappeared like smoke in the air. Worry Week wasn't another seminar. Worry Week was not another book. Worry Week... Worry Week was not another, uh, if you want, event. It was not, a not journey. A, not in any way. It's a, it's a, it's a journey through a set of experiences that, that you create for you. That that I create, we created, and created together with the other brothers in thirty six. It's undo. Like you cannot undo it. It is. It's. It's. It, it was co created, and it's in the universe. There is no reverse engineering and say, okay, go back to what it was. You can't You can't go back. You can't. In a good way. You cannot go back in a good way. And so when you came into Worry Week, there was a set of identity that was, that was associated to Naveen, the character, the character that you play in life. Mm-hmm. Some of those identity or some, some, of the, some of the sets of the identities shifted priorities. Some of them got awakened. Some dudes that Naveen knew inside of you, an identity part of you that you knew, that was dormant for a while. So talk about specifically you grinding inside of workplace, you grinding for your career, you grinding there and focusing on your body. Two other areas kind of took the back end, right? One was yeah. your – well, both of them are relationship. One is relationship with a significant other, building families and, and growing. So that's – that has been on the back burner as well as the, the, the relationship that you had with God. Um, talk about the realization that you had on that during Warrior Week process and after 
And uh, how's life for you today? Well, one thing that I realized, which is in retrospect, is the most obvious thing in the world, but I never really thought that it applied to me or maybe I just never even thought about it at all because my goals did not include any sort of being or balance stuff. Mm -hmm. It all was about, you know, my career and the, your body was there to support what you're doing. It wasn't like a goal in of itself. Of course, there's goals with, you know, different athletic goals sure. and whatnot. But like, but that was, that was, you know, five hours a week and your career was 80 hours a week. Yes. And then balance and being were literally a zero hmm. for who knows how long. Um, and I always thought that was a little, not a waste of time, but it was not contributing to the career. Mm -hmm. So spend that extra hour on whatever, or spend your hour, spend the hour screwing around so you can relax your mind before you go back to your yes, your email. But now I, with having um, at least a focus on the realization that balance is a thing. Yes. Yes. Which sounds like a small thing, but awareness is you know massive, right? Just having that awareness, and being now, thanks to Coach Jesse, I meditate every single day. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes twice a day. If I have plane trips, I meditate twice a day. You know why? Because um, there's, if you think about it, you're on a plane, mm -hmm. you're thinking about, it's so normal, but think, of, think how in insane that is. <laughs> you're in this thing that weighs like who knows how many tons with 200 people, Way and you there. expect it to go from point A to point B across the country or the world in like a few hours. It's just insane. insane what people created. You know, 100, it's unbelievable. It's still like, you know, you look at it, you're like, Unless you're an engineer, you can't really understand why exactly it goes up and down. But think about how much energy it takes mm -hmm. to move that thing. So when you're meditating on the plane, you're sort of like, and it's true, I guess, anywhere you are, but you're in the presence of like, there's so many people around you, kind of like going to a rock concert. Mm -hmm. When you go to a rock concert or like a game, you feel that energy. Yes. Like you don't feel the same when you're at home watching the game. You just don't. No, you people, don't. Yeah. We're social creatures. We need that human energy. Whether Correct. we want to admit it or not, it's true. You need that energy. And the same thing is true on planes. You have time to meditate, and you you have so much energy moving your ass across the country. Yes. So sometimes I'll do it twice a day. Before Warrior Week, I could not meditate for three minutes because hmm. I would think about shit. I, would just, I just would give up. Yeah. And the biggest distinction that Garrett and Jesse and you – gave me, which is an amazing one, so simple but just genius, which is that you don't need to achieve anything mm. with the meditation. Mm. You're meditating to meditate. You're not trying to like, there's no bad meditation, fall asleep. That took all the pressure off of it, and then you just start doing it without a goal, and it is a huge, it's been a huge of course. game changer. It, it is the one place where Naveen doesn't have a fucking goal. <laughs> it is the one meeting you you walk into when you don't have a target, objective, or like, it, all right, we're walking to this fucking meeting. Kind of like today when you came down here. You kept knocking at the door, Sam, what are we going to talk about? I did. Like, and What's I'm the purpose? Like, hey, What's the outcome of you this? Just gonna, we're just going to find out. And, and that's what it is. It's because for most of your life, you have been trained like a lethal assassin to hit targets and goals. Trained like a motherfucker. You said it yourself. From 5 to 33. 5 to 33. That's fucking 27 years 
of training and practice of being a lethal assassin to hit targets and hit them. The targets that you've been shown most of your life has been targets of business and achieving the context of achievement. Right. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just the path that you've taken. And it was the path that was shown to you, guided to you, and you took off and many stood back. And you were in the front line and you got the graduations from the multiple universities and the business and the first million and everything else that blew after that. So throughout most of your life, you've been conditioned and trained to focus that. And now you're meditating, meaning now you walk into a meeting that has no fucking purpose. It, it, you're just meditating for meditating. All right, well, I guess we're out for 20 minutes. What comes out of it? I'll trust the process. Trust the process. Uh, it's, which in and of itself would not have made sense nope. a year ago. But it's creating balance in your life right now. It's, it is really creating, like something I didn't do before a year, mm -hmm. six months ago, mm -hmm. started in June specifically, is creating such a glue through the other areas. Mm -hmm. And it really helps you deal with any situation so much better. It's very funny because um, I spent a lot of time in New York City. Yes. And if you go to a doctor there, just any doctor, you know, like you got a cold or whatever, they always ask you what medications you're taking. And I say none. And they're like, well, sleeping medications count because apparently everyone takes sleeping medications there. Yes. And I'm like, no, I don't take any sleep medications. I never have. And, but the meditation makes you sleep so much better. You're so much clearer. You think faster. I meditate before I do my MMA training mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and because mm -hmm. uh, you can think faster because that's the shit's so hard like you can you think faster and I kind of suck so I need to do everything I can to get better yes right? so um, it's un it's unreal but that's part of martial art if you study martial art uh, specific karate and they have these um, um, they have these meditation solo kind of, uh, what do you, uh, they call it? Uh, There's a name for it, right? Yeah, it starts with a K, uh, I think. Yeah, yeah, it starts with a K, exactly. We used to do it when we were a kid in our karate classes. Kata. Kata, Kata, right. it's, a, it's, a, it's a meditation. Right. Kata, is, it's a meditation. You visualize the fighter. You're fighting against someone, but in your mind, and it's a me So meditation uh, is, a, is a part of that. But interesting enough, the space that is opening up for you, Right, because it's counterbalancing in one area you're going hard. In the other area, you now have goalless meetings. <laughs> Nothing to hit. With no achievement. No achievement with yourself. But I want you to look at the balance that this is creating in your life right now. And let's focus on the word balance. For the first time ever, I feel that you are balanced enough to be inside of a balance, meaning to to have a relationship. Right. I think, like, I'm, I'm just realizing this right here. For a year, we've been knocking at the door with Naveen, hey, man, like, family, fatherhood. You're like, yeah, but, like, it's fucking not happening. I'm like, all right, man, so I'm going to arrange for some, for some girls in India, arrange marriage, whatever the fuck. <laughs> whatever it takes. I send you some. I think I sent you a hot picture of this Indian actress. By the way, she was pretty awesome. I sent it to you. Started the seduction. Like, what the fuck, man? I'm like, dude, what are you doing here? <laughs> but, but the idea is that I'm just realizing now is that 27 years program as an assassin, now you have these spots where you stop. And you go to the void, 
with no reason, no purpose, you come back, but it's creating balance. It's really creating balance. It's creating balance in your character, the way you communicate, the way, like, it, it, it's, it, it, is, it is a total different Naveen. Not the Naveen that before was a bad one, but this one is a more dominating, powerful Naveen. You're a badass, you're doing MMA right now. Business is blowing. The purpose behind your business is more clear than anywhere else. Like, you're meditating, you're connected to your being, the missing piece of the puzzle, it's the balance, but it is in the, in the most attractive state ever. Like you're not coming there, in from the, a place of force, you're coming from a place of power, and now there's attraction that is gonna take place. You feel this? I feel you. And I think that, um, going back to what you said before, yes. is that the, it's acceptance versus achievement. I mm. think that's the distinction. Because like, before I was achieving a lot, yes. but inherent in achievement is that you're not good enough as you are. True. That's the, the subtext. But there's another place you can achieve from, which is a place of acceptance, mm -hmm. which is pretty damn hard to do, I have to say. Like, you know, if it, I think it's very hard to do, but that's where I think I am right now. Yes. And sometimes I would like blow off some of the, you know, yoga and stretching previously, even though you need to do that shit when you're 42 yes, um, to keep in shape because you know why? It would expose my limitations mm -hmm. and I did not want to see what my limits were so I just wouldn't engage in that exposure. exposure. And that obviously mentally you know that that's stupid but you still do it anyway because you're, we're emotional beings and I don't want to you know do that. Yes. So it's, I think it's that the feeling I felt when I came back from day one of warrior week mm -hmm. is that acceptance yes and even though i knew that th and and also the realization that like holy shit i've been performing at 10 percent of my power i'm not I'm, s I'm not using the word capacity because capacity is sort of like kind of feels intellectual sure the power is at the capacity and the emotional capacity because you got to be fired up to hit the big goals and you need to be working hard yeah, you're gonna need fire bro you need fire and and part of part of what's missing in Naveen in those four years was this fire was just fucking fire. That's what it was. Like it wasn't the desire, it wasn't the knowledge, it wasn't like it was just there was there was a need for fire, and you saw a glance of that fire in Garrett. Like you just saw it, right? And it can't. It's like. It, the heat of that fire warmed you up and attracted you and you come into this crazy conversation and you feel more and more of the heat you're like okay this fucking thing is is getting it's getting hotter and hotter but that's what i want i want fire subconsciously you want fire right so you're driven from the heat the heat gets heavier heavier you come to worry week it actually fucking burns you to some extent but you're Big like time. i have found it i have found it and uh, and you took the fire with you when you left, and you put it in practice, um, and and in the fire you also forged something very special, that was actually forged in the fire, and it was you and the man of the thirty six. You forged this connection, you forged this relationship, um, that most men don't have. Most men don't have this kind of relationship. It's a relationship that is an invitation for collision that built among men, calling each other out and making sure that, hey man, we don't tolerate your lowest standard here. We always 
promote your highest standard and that's where we're going to hold you to to your highest standard and that 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 special connection was forged in the fire of warrior week uh, you use that fire to forge that so you always have that with you with your brothers so talk about a little bit of of what that has brought in in terms of value and continues to bring value in your life today i mean it's huge it's huge because um because that fire is everything but you can't do it alone i always was a lone ranger i thought i could do things by myself because i had a certain level of whatever um but within warrior week 36 especially during one evolution mm -hmm. which you may remember which was the mma evolution which was fucking frightening because you got a guy like travis who's like you know ex uh ex football player big guy super nice guy but big guy d1 division one yeah. son and then you got um you know derek who's like ex-marine <laughs> served overseas and you know obviously boxes all the time um animal and then you got me fucking awesome golfer but it's not gonna help, help you <laughs> mma ring um but i remember that I had to go to a different place. Mm -hmm. I had to go to a different place. And that's where we saw a new character. Like, the switch was turned on. And we have, we've lost the Naveen that we knew. <laughs> and we watched and witnessed a Naveen that we always saw in you. All of the brothers would say the same fucking thing. They saw it in you because it would come out from time to time, but it won't give himself permission to stay out permanently and says, this is who I am. I'm going to fuck some shit up. And by the way, I accept myself. I accept this version of myself. Right. Because f there is no reinterpretation if we don't accept ourselves. meaning that when acceptance takes place, that's the only space that we have to reinterpret something if we need to. Imagine there is an emotional charge that taken place in your life or there was a limiting belief put on you in your life. You did something, you were not good at it. Somebody says, hey, you should not do that. You're not good at it. And that kind of became your program, right? And you started doing something else. Not because you weren't good at it, but somebody said you're not good at it. So you kind of accepted that. And now you focus your mind on doing some other stuff. Years go by, you still think that you are not good enough in that area. All that was was an emotional charge that took place. You never accepted the emotional charge. Mm -hmm. You've always accepted the label that came with that, which is this fucking story. But if you would accept the emotional charge that, hey, man, this happened, and at that time, maybe I wasn't good. But that doesn't define that I'm not good enough to do that. And so the reinterpretation, and most of the time positive, begins from a place of acceptance uh, and that's exactly what happened with you you found a version of yourself that you give yourself permission to number one let out number two look and see and watch what it did for you and number three accept it and invite him in and that's why you keep doing it it's a year now you keep doing mma and you it, it's part of your life right now because you have access to that version of you so that you feel more powerful you extract power from that version of yourself and it's i do that's exactly right but it's, it's that acceptance that allows you mm -hmm. to push the envelope to do something that you you know you're going to suck at but in that moment in the mma ring you couldn't leave mm -mm. right there's no leaving that <laughs> ring so like 
I was either going to be, you're going to be, I mean, most of us, not everyone there is a fighter. So it's like everyone's going to be exposed for whatever they are, weaknesses and lack of skill and whatever else, fear. Yes. And so I just made a decision that I'm going to accept where I am and just try as fucking hard as I could. Yes. To, you know, within reason, you know, fuck some shit up with my brothers. And uh, th there is a context attached to that content that you just dropped. And the context is 30 days of preparation before you even step into that MMA ring. And this is not a physical preparation. It's an right. emotional roller coaster for you to understand the purpose of why you've been put in there and what is about to happen and extract the lesson from it. Because this is, Warrior Week has never been about a physical event. Right. Uh, I mean, if you, if you think that you're going to have the same effect just by going to some MMA gym or trying some boxing, that would not last. Right. There is a buildup to it for you to accept and recognize the emotional charge that has taken place at one point in your life and that has robbed you from the power of extracting power from that guy in the ring. You have to have a meaning to it. Yes. And to have a meaning, you got to be open to that meaning. You can't be closed off. And to from that a meaning. place of truth, because most of us put all these shitty meanings around <laughs> things on the surface level, and Worry Week really digs down inside and takes out the real truth and says "fuck you" to all the layers that we keep putting in front. Um, I want to talk about like your entire experience, man. Right? Yeah. And. and your entire experience, not only at Worry Week, but your life and what you wh where you are today, and uh, well, dude, first of all, the, some of the shit I'm doing now, I never thought I would do. Let's talk about and, that. Uh, you know, I've done a few things before Worry Week, so that first of all, the meditation. Maybe we talked about that enough, but that is like an un. I can tell you some stories. It's mm -hmm. it's crazy, the that the amount of let's just call them coincidences that happen. <laughs> somehow magically increase when you're meditating all the time. I don't know what that means. That's a universe. You know, believe whatever you want, but there are so many examples of... Give you a little secret on this show. You ready? Yeah. Coincidence was a man-made word to rob away power from miracles. Interesting. So every, Interesting. every time you hear coincidence is because they wanted to dismiss a miracle right away. So... Remember that what That's you experience is not coincidence, is stay in the power of it. We adopted the word coincidence, including myself, to dismiss a miracle right away. That served somebody else's purpose. Language is power. Mm. Carry on. So uh, that, and then I hate the cold, <laughs> you know, even though I, oh, live yeah, in, yeah. I live in these cold weather climates, but that's a controlled environment. An uncontrolled environment is a cold fucking ocean. Yes. That's a lot colder. Or an ice bucket. Or an ice bucket, or getting dumped ice buckets on your head. Well, I don't know who would do that to yes. anyone, but that might happen. And now I still, before I came to the show, mm -hmm. Jeremy can tell you, I was taking, we did a run, and I was taking a cold shower yes. at his place, and we're all getting all fired up. I would never do that a year sure. ago. And it's been a year, and I'm still taking the cold showers, I'm still meditating, I'm still doing MMA. I'm still, you know, focusing on the balance. I'm outperforming all my business goals. So it, it ain't a fucking seminar. It you know, was something you that's know, ingrained you, you in You know your why body. you're not cold anymore? 
Because you got a fire inside of you that keeps you warm in all area. That's what I say. You can't be cold when you're on fire. You got it. You can't be cold when you're on, on fire. On fucking fire. You cannot be cold when you're on fire. That, that's like, that's a magical code right there. If you're watching the show or listening to this podcast, uh, just to think about the concept of you cannot get cold. You cannot get dark if there is light within you. When you dim your light... When you dim your voice, when you bring it down so others don't feel like, oh, this guy's ego, this is where you're going to start feeling cold. Yeah. And, I, and you know, even in the beginning of this podcast, I was feeling a little cold because, you know, I want to I wanna give you some, as mu- whatever you, you, you need. But, you know, you don't want to say everything. Yes. You don't want to say, oh, yeah, I, I, you know, I have uh, sold five companies yes. worth over $3 billion, you know, by the ripe old age of whatever, 40. Yes. And I'm going to probably sell at least that much more over the next 10 years. Yes. Maybe earlier. For the record, that uh, that number was $3 billion. Uh, some people take billions very lightly. So you can just Google that shit and figure out how many zeros. But also, like you can actually, I think Tony Robbins said that, uh, you know, one second is one second, obviously. But sixty. Uh, one minute is 60. Uh, what is it? Do you know what he said? It said one minute is 60 seconds. <clears throat> and then... Um, I don't know, man. One hour is 3,600. 3, and then <laughs> when he went to million, he just wanted to visualize the million. Uh, the million was, I don't know, some, some sort of crazy number, but it was so crazy enough that it was tangible. You could understand the difference between one minute <coughs> and perhaps, I think something like 48 days would, would equal one million, one million second. I'm not sure. No, you're right. He, did, he says like, he, oh, yeah, if you go back a billion, it's like the dinosaurs, but like <laughs> a million is like Jesus Christ was alive. Yeah, exactly. Something, something like cr- Crazy like that. Crazy. So, so it gives you an understanding of what billion is coming back to your achievements uh, inside of that. But really, uh, as, as we bring the show to conclusion, uh, what I want you to put out there, man, is a message for a guy that is watching this podcast or listening to this podcast that finds himself exactly in the same place that you are, which is a very successful entrepreneur, very successful entrepreneur, very powerful man. Because money brings power, and basically you can do whatever the fuck you want to with the money, right? You don't, like, you can buy anything you want. You can hire anybody you want. You can have people do whatever you, like, the money is in your hand, and therefore the power is there for you to do that. But there's one fucking thing that it doesn't do for you, and that is to build the fire inside of you. That is something that you have to forge as a man, and you find a place that did that. We think that this is the only place in the world that does this for men. But there may be other places that we're not aware of. But you find a place to forge to forge the fire and find the fire. And you have kept the fire inside of you. And it served you so far, so greatly the way you described it. What would be your message to a guy that is cold? That is cold not in his business, but is cold in his marriage. That is cold in his kids. That is cold in his sense of being, his connection with God. He doesn't even know he's cold. with his body, that he doesn't even know that he's cold. Because he only thinks that, he's only focused, where focus goes, energy flows, I think. Another another TR, um, great one. Um, He's only focused on his business. And my guess is most people think that, or at least I did, the other areas of your life are there to support that business. And that's bullshit, right? Because the reason you don't have your fire is because you don't have an equal or at least some sort of balanced focus on not just your business, 
but your body, your being, and your balance. And when you get when you get momentum in all those four areas at the same time, you regain your fire. You can't not. Yes. You cannot regain your fire. And then the other thing you have to remember is that your business is a reflection of yourself. It starts at the top, and it's like you know the most obvious euphemism, but people forget it. They just have to look in the mirror to know they've forgotten it. Mm. If they're out of shape, or if their relationship sucks, or they're not you know meditating, they're not connected with anything. So you have to get that fire first mm -hmm. for yourself if you're going to set your business on fire <laughs> to really take it to the next level. And the thing is, when you get yourself right, you can make such quantum improvements. Because ultimately, you're not going to get anywhere linearly. I mean, sure, if you're, you know, if someone else is managing your money and they want to get 4% of your forever, that's one thing. But in terms of what your purpose in life is, you want to make quantum leaps. Because here's the thing people forget about careers, and we get, you know, you want to talk about that a little bit. We can talk about that yes. if we have more time. We do. But, but great careers are not linear. Mm -hmm. They don't just go like, if you watch, just look at, you know, whether you like him or not, you know, he's a obviously a very successful man, President Obama. Mm -hmm. He was no one a few years before he was president. Mm -hmm. Relatively no one, mm -hmm. right? But it's these quantum leaps you make, you know, that you prepare for the next step. And the reason is because, say you get 1% better. It's not like your paycheck gets 1% better the next day, right? Mm -hmm. There's not some like magical formula out there that says, hey, you deserve this, so we're gonna you know, give you this now because you're 20% better. Yeah. You prepare yourself till you're overqualified for the next step, and then coincidences <laughs> or you know, miracles happen, you get an opportunity, and you're prepared. And then you make that big jump. That's how great careers happen. Well said. And the, the key is, well, one of the keys is to understand that, because I don't think a lot of people understand that, and two is that try not to miss a step, hmm. because anything you do takes five years. Yes, yes, right? yes. Anything you do takes five I years. I fucking agree, and based on my own experience. Yes, go on. And that ties nicely to Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000-hour rule. Now, we don't do 10,000 hours in five years. It's more like, you know, two or three, right? Or yes. probably three. Um, but to get that mastery, it takes about 10,000 hours, which is five years, and hopefully you can shrink that to three with Warrior. Yes. But it really it takes five years to do anything. Yes. So you can't be sitting there and in year three and be like, man, this is not working. If you're doing the right things yes. and, you're, and you believe you're seeing progress based upon your own metrics, then eventually you'll get that quantum leap. For example, right now, uh, my main company is a company called Skykick. Uh -huh. It's not a consumer company, so this is not an ad because we don't we sell to businesses, yes. um, thousands of businesses around the world. When the guys started it, um, you know, I backed them within I think year one. We had six employees. Yes, we have almost two hundred now. Wow, um, could be more because we hire a lot. We hire, sometimes we hire ten people a week. It's cr growing like insanely. Over you know. It's been a, quotes as we like to say, a six-year overnight success story. Yes. Or where do you guys come from? Oh, that sounds so obvious now. Well, no. These guys worked their balls off hmm. for two years before they started the company in their spare time. Mm. Right? In their spare time, um, you know, they were thinking about it. They weren't working on it because you couldn't work on it with another job. But, like, in their spare time, they're thinking about yes. what they want to do. They're not sitting around, you know, Watching in the whatever the Kardashians are doing, right? Yes, nothing, yes. Nothing wrong with the Kardashians, but they're not. They're not. That's not where they're spending their time. Yes. And then, when they decided to take that big leap, 
and leave their jobs and actually start the company and start building the technology, they had that confidence and they were at least mentally prepared. Maybe they hadn't coded anything yet, but they were mentally prepared for with the next journey. Beautiful, beautiful. Quantum leaps, preparing for the next quantum leap, not a linear, do not look at career as a linear path because most of us are taught that way. You do this, you receive this, you do this, it's one more step. But it's really quantum leaps and it happens every five years. I can, I, I mean, I've seen it you, from your stories, every five years some shit happened in your life. Uh, every five years my life has changed as well from a career perspective as well. Like some big thing has happened and I, I can totally recall to what you said, closing my eyes right now and just going back 20 years back you know, I graduated as a software engineer and my, you know, I, I worked in, in, a, in a software company initially, worked around a technology called RFID for tracking. Oh, sure. Yeah. That's so, dude, like I, I've worked on innovation and software and that was the first five years. That first five years stepped in, like slipped into tracking goods and materials for oil companies and that brought me to oil and gas and another five years in oil and gas and then after that another decade in oil and gas and each five years I went more and more in depth inside of the oil and gas industry and then ultimately at the end of that a quantum leap which I left everything behind and now here at Warrior like I mean it just it's been the past fucking four five years of my life four times five twenty years what you just described that like it's been quantum leaps and I can close my eyes and I can see myself burning the fucking midnight oil during those five years, getting prepared for the miracle to take place, not knowing when it's going to come, but mm -hmm. really it's preparing not to receive immediate gratification via money or whatever that is, but really doing the work because you believe that you're building yourself. Because you're really building this version of yourself that is to become. And so that's what we do here at Warrior 2. It's a constantly working on a greater version of herself. This version of herself that we're hunting. We, we want to become the version that is in the future. We want to pull him from the future and bring him into the present. Yes. And that's what, that's what Warrior is. That's, and that's what, what we that's do. That's what the quantum leap is. <laughs> it's you're trying, to, you're trying to move yourself, the current you forward, and then... You use some of the warrior techniques to sort of bring that reality forward, you know, and meet in the middle somewhere yes. and accelerate that process. Yeah. It's sort of like something, you know, we can't talk about it forever in the podcast, but it's something that is real. Yes. And you see it in the warrior time warp. Yes. Because, you know, this is the one year anniversary of me coming to Dana Point at the first time um, for warrior. But I remember being here like I've been here a hundred times. <laughs> I remember the walk that, you know, the jog that Jeremy and I took. Yes. The walk around, beautiful up here, unbelievable. You know, the, the, you know, the offices, every, it's like I never left. <laughs> because the, the amount of presence we had, and that's something that I think a lot of people are missing in our world, especially with these. I'm guilty, by the way. I'm, I mean, my, the company I, so, we, I sold to Yahoo five years ago was a social media yes. app. So I know, I know how to use a goddamn phone, right? Yes. And I, you know, I'm 100% guilty of, being on my social media too much. So um, that's the one thing I have to work on. But I also understand that being present is something that is so powerful because then all your faculties are here. If you only have half your energy here, you can, you can only do like 5% of the work. If you, yes. double, if you double your presence, whatever that even means, 
you, you can do 20 times as much thought, ideas, creativity, all that stuff, especially in today's world, because, you know, one of the things people are feeling, and I know from at WarriorCon, a lot of folks at WarriorCon are feeling this in a big way, which is that, you know, a lot of folks, a lot of guys came, a lot of men came because they were not doing so well in their business, mm -hmm, even mm -hmm. though what they probably really found was because most fo most guys are married with a couple of kids is that their balance was fucked up and that was impacting their business in a, in a big way. Going back to our idea of if you don't have the fire, which is all four areas, body yes. being balanced business, your business is going to be a reflection of your messed up self. True. Right. And if you're getting most pain for your from your balance, and that's that's your weakest link. True. Um, but a lot of guys, like we said, are coming there for their business, and it's like, if you don't fix that one part, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You need the fire. Um, it, it's an honor to have you in the studio, and I want to conclude by saying uh, you brought in something really, really important and special to me. Uh, which is presence, which is rule number three. Be here now, as you remember. So, rule number three. I, I remember because Travis was shouting that in the lake yes. of death. So, be here now. Uh, this idea of presence. Um, I want you to think about something. If we are constantly present, then the concept of memories doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. Yes. Memories is belonging in the past, forcing yourself to go in the past and trying to remember a memory. But if you're actually present, like just you felt today, these are not fucking memories. It feels that it's today. Right. You and can experience them with the richness. Yes. Yes. You can call upon them and it's not memory. The concept of memory vanishes away. Presence becomes available when you tap into it. And so that's what you felt running on the jog, feeling the office the same spade. It's just like you felt like as if it was right, a year we ago. Right. We were so present. Yes. At that time. You captured it. And it stayed with you. Um, hey, man, want to thank you for being on the podcast. Appreciate you, it. Tremendous amount of value and guidance to uh, the guys that are watching and you know listening to this podcast. You can find out more about uh, this podcast and pictures and videos and additional audios at warriorweeknow.com. And you can also subscribe to uh, iTunes on the Warrior Week podcast. My guest, Naveen is a very successful entrepreneur and a man that has completely transformed his life in the past year by simply believing in the concept of becoming this greater version of himself because that's what it is you continue to go after the version even even skykick right now it's like you're after skykick success so that you become this greater version of yourself that e sees that exactly it's what it's what the journey makes you become. Yes. It's not getting to a finish line. No. It's if it's a, the finish line does not exist at all. It, it does <laughs> literally does not exist. So thanks for being with us, man. Thank you, Sam. All right, have, everybody, have yourself a fantastic day. Everyone's out.